It doesn't take too much digging on the internet to find some truly misguided quotes from the history of the computer. Everything from Bill Gates making predictions about the limits of memory size to electronics company presidents saying the worldwide market for computers was around five machines. A lot of it is urban legend, but a lot of opinions then and now show how resistance to computers was real. This then is the story of a technology that was often maligned and feared in equal measure, but still managed to become a cornerstone of modern civilizations. This is the story of the computer. Opposed to innovation, the stories of technologies that change the world. Brought to you by BMW. Most people would say the invention of the computer was down to the guy in that movie, The Imitation Game. His name was Alan Turing, and he did indeed have a large role to play in the development of computers as we know them. But most historians agree that the first true computer was designed in the 19th century by English mathematician Charles Babbage. He called his machine the Difference Engine. It existed to calculate tables of numbers while simultaneously avoiding the risk of human error. The English government at the time saw the potential and funded the project, but Babbage was largely ridiculed and unable to manufacture the 4,000 metal cogwheels accurately enough to make his concept work. The difference engine never saw the light of day. Babbage died in disappointment in 1871. The next major step in the computer's evolution came in 1890 when Herman Hollerith's punch card system helped calculate the results of a U.S. census. Hollerith established the company that would go on to become one of the biggest names in computing, even today, IBM. Just under half a century later, in 1936, Alan Turing stepped in. He's credited with conceptualizing the first machine that could calculate anything that's calculable. One of Turing's contemporaries, Conrad Zusser, also produced a machine, the Z1, that did the same kind of calculations, but in a slightly different way. While these room-sized machines filled with belts, pulleys and vacuum tubes were a far cry from the kinds of equipment we are used to today, the central concept of both the Z1 and what would become known as the Turing machine was the same as it is for modern computers. Step forward less than 10 years and we have the creation of what's largely considered to be the great granddaddy of the digital computer. Professors John Morkley and J. Presper Eckert took 75 square meters at the University of Pennsylvania to build the Electronic Numerical Integrator and Calculator, or ENIAC. It was capable of running multiple programs at the same time and could transfer data at a comparatively high speed. It was the world's first mainframe computer and at the time, the most powerful calculating device ever made. History looks back at that particular moment as one of great importance in the history of computing. But at the time, it was responsible for generating fear amongst the general population. Initially, ENIAC was built in secret for military purposes, to calculate artillery ranges, and to help with the design of the atomic bomb.
Once a story had been made public, people began to regard computers more as doomsday devices rather than machines to power the future. That fear wasn't helped by famous pieces of literature like George Orwell's 1984, published just a few years after ENIAC was created. The novel showcased a dystopian world where computers were used as surveillance tools that controlled humans. But even when mainframe computers moved out of the shadows of military control and into corporate infrastructure, rather than regarding them as something to help make life and work easier, there was a real sense that computers would outperform humans. Many people believed, at best, they'd been made to feel stupid if they interacted with one. And in the worst-case scenario, they'd be replaced by one. And the literary parallels continued, with computers being compared to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's monster, where the invention inevitably takes control of the inventor. Over time, though, mainframe computers became more accepted, thanks in part to their growing ubiquity. Historical events, like the moon landing, also helped sway opinions in favor of computers, which played a major part in the mission's success. And as their acceptance grew, their size shrunk. By the 1980s, computers no longer needed entire rooms. As the PC sat on desks across the world, it brought computing to the masses and gave rise to a brand new fear. Computerphobia. According to the book Women and Computers, computerphobia sufferers experienced a range of resistances, fears, anxieties and hostilities. These can take such forms as fear of physically touching the computer or of damaging it and what's inside it, a reluctance to read or talk about computers, feeling threatened by those who do know something about them, feeling that you can be replaced by a machine, become a slave to it, or feeling aggressive toward computers. It seemed the same fear felt by those with mainframes in their workplaces was now being felt on a much wider scale. In a slightly ironic twist, there were suggestions that, in order to overcome it, those who suffered from computer phobia should watch training videos on television, a technology that itself was met with some skepticism when it first arrived on the scene. Even as the PC continued to be accepted and adopted, some still chose to focus on its shortcomings, like those who claimed that word processing software was too boring and not fun enough to help people overcome their computer phobia. It seems each new iteration of computer technology came with its share of skepticism. With the rise of the laptop, computing became not only personal, but portable, an almost invaluable part of life today. That wasn't foreseen by the New York Times, which published an article in 1985 by tech writer Eric Sandberg Dimond claiming that the laptop was a fad and would soon die off. His reasoning included the assumption that, quote, People don't want to lug a computer with them to the beach or on a train two while away. Hours they would rather spend reading the sports or business section of the newspaper. And quote, The microcomputer industry has assumed that everyone would love to have a keyboard grafted on as an extension of their fingers. It just is not so. And if you'd think the sentiment that laptops wouldn't survive had been assigned to history, you only have to go back to 2017 to find an article published by the website Computer World with the headline, The Laptop is Dead. 
By the 90s, it was clear that computers were here to stay, and fear shifted from how computers might take over humanity to how humanity could possibly live without them. We now know that life without the internet would scarcely be livable, but almost incredibly, there were some who believed that Tim Berners-Lee's invention would not see out the decade. What makes this even more fascinating is that the prediction came from one of the founding fathers of computer connectivity. While working for Xerox in 1973, Robert Metcalf invented Ethernet and in 1995 predicted that, quote, the Internet would go spectacularly supernova and in 1996 catastrophically collapse. Later on in the 90s, Metcalf's skepticism was met in equal measure by the world's obsession with the latest computer-based fear, the Millennium Bug. This came about because of the way computers were programmed up to the 1980s. In the early days, computer data storage was expensive and took up space, so in order to save on both, engineers removed the first two digits from any reference to the year. So, for example, 1970 simply became 70. As the year 2000 approached, there was a belief that come midnight on January 1st, 2000, 99 would click over to double zero, and the world's computers would mistakenly believe it was 1900, not 2000, leading them to reset, malfunction, or otherwise fail. The fear was real, with everything from banks to transportation networks to power and water facilities facing the phantom threat, which thanks to some simple fixes, turned out to be no big deal at all. If anything, the computer in all its iterations, desktop, laptop, smartphone, tablet, wearable, cloud server, has proved itself to be anything but malevolent. In fact, it's helped civilizations develop at an astonishing rate, and continues to consistently deliver new innovations. They've survived being maligned, feared, and scathed by generations of humans. It now seems inevitable that computers won't just be part of our future, they will help build it. Just as some people mistrusted the beginnings of the computer, South Africans may be feeling quite negative now, given our current energy crisis. It would be easy to doubt that a revolution to green energy is possible, but the evolution of the computer is a clear example that it's not only possible, but a reality. And BMW is leading the way with their electric vehicles. Thanks for listening to this episode of Opposed to Innovation, brought to you by BMW South Africa. The series is available on cliffcentral.com and the Cliff Central app, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Opposed to Innovation is presented by me, Francisco Mwamba, and is written, recorded, and produced by Spike Valentine at Cliff Central. By the way, did you know that Bill Gates predicted that spam would be a thing of the past by 2006? Guess they're still working on that one.